so I'm going to continue in the theme of uh, the last talk, actually, in which when Sally McKenzie really shared exciting new work from the, her field of agricultural genetics. And I'm going to do the same, rather than giving you a lecture of the impacts of climate change on agriculture, which I actually think that probably all of you are quite well aware of, I'm going to share with you exciting new, uh, an exciting new uh, project and act, set of activities that another, another research group is doing, the agricultural modelers. So let's see if I can get up my first slide. Um, and through looking at how AGMIP, which stands for the Agricultural Model Improvement and uh, Intercomparison and Improvement Project, the I is, is stands for two words. It's very important because modelers can be going on and on and on intercomparing, intercomparing their models for a long time. But of course, the goal is to improve them, and that's what this um, this this uh, community that you see here is really all about. To through the use of agricultural models, significantly improve understanding of what the global and regional implications of climate change are for agriculture. So in the very short time, because I, I know uh, you've been, we've been having a lot of talks, I want to just, in, uh, as part of the after lunch um, talk, I want to first introduce this exciting project. I want to present some in initial results and then propose some interactions with the water research community uh, and the agricultural modeling community. I want to make one other uh, remark before, um, before I launch into the slides, um, which is uh, in response in part to that very good question that someone raised in the very, a gentleman raised in the very first panel when he asked, well, yes, the farm, the smallholders, yes, the programs that are uh, focused on them, but what about the larger context that those systems are embedded in? And when, when we think about on the agricultural modeling side, well, who are the stakeholders? Who are the decision makers that this work addresses? It's those who are uh, assigned globally to ensure global food and water security. It's those who are um, deciding on what investments in, in agricultural technologies to pursue. It's regional planners who need to know not only how their own region may be affected by climate and climate change, but how other regions may be affected as well, thereby shifting comparative advantage. And also how water supply and demand may shift in some regions and not in others. So it's this establishing the larger contexts for the very important work that then is, do, is being done uh, at the smallholder scale. At final, finally, at the largest scale of decision makers that this work um, really is uh, directed to and interacts with is, as Rosina mentioned, the, the, the international negotiations who are working with, dip, with um, representatives from every country on the world, in the world, to create the climate change treaties through the United Nations framework, on con uh, framework Convention on Climate Change, through that process. And the work that I'm going to be showing you today, the global work, is and the regional as well, is designed 
to help those negotiators know what climate change means for their countries so that then they can make informed decisions in the global process, as well as then within their own countries, see the longer term context for their regions. So I, uh, this is the, so AGMIP follows a, the, oh, so first I just showed you the picture of the AGMIP community, which is over, there are over 500 agricultural modelers around the world. Uh, and I invite any of you who are modelers to come and join because AGMIP is not a top-down program. AGMIP is created by the communities of themselves and of, this, of these groups of researchers themselves who are finally ready. I say that, the mo that with the models and the modelers are now finally mature enough to be able to come together to compare share routines because for a long time they were the, the modelers were scared they had the, each had their own model but they weren't they were kind they we were competitive with each other but now we're really beyond that we're in a new phase of new science of model and multi-model intercomparison so you see at the center of the, of, of, the, of the science diagram is both crop models on the biophysical side and agricultural economic models on, uh, as well. If, if you only focus on one and not the other type of model, you will not get the full picture of agriculture. Now, track one is model improvement and intercomparison of both of these types of models, testing with historical climate conditions, uh, working on model calibration and improvement, and evaluating and intercomparing them. But track two, which is all of this is very important to help on the improvement side. But then with those improved models, we then uh, and simultaneously work on track two, which is climate change multi-model assessment, which is new for the field of agriculture. In order to do this, you see that, uh, that pyramid on the left-hand side, we need a lot of very good agricultural data. So AGMIP has created a good housekeeping seal of approval rating system for experimental sites to provide data for models so that we can have enough rigorous data to actually improve the models around the world in all the regions of the world, which is what we really need. Now, I think I'll talk about the cross-cutting themes on the next slide. So how is AGMIP, that community, organized to uh, accomplish all these, the, these, to these tracks and these, these goals? And it's, uh, it's organized by teams. So we have climate science, we have a climate team, which are the climate scientists right with us. So we're not just taking things thrown off over the, over the fence from climate models. We have climate scientists with us who help everyone understand what are the uncertainties around the climate projections themselves. For example, dealing with the downscaling, dealing with the data issues. Then we have a crop, crop modeling team, an economics team, and the fourth main team to tie it all together is information technology. Because you can't embark on, and you can't do anything in a multi-model assessment unless you, have your, unless you are developing the technology to be able to do this. Now, you see, though, that work group that list of work groups that's in the main box, because it's absolutely clear that if we only had those four teams, we wouldn't be getting the full story. And so there are, there are work groups of soil scientists, 
water resources, of course, the topic of, of the conference um, this week. We have uh, livestock and grassland modelers with us, and pests and diseases, of course, absolutely a critical issue. So those work groups are forming and developing their own intercomparisons, and then we're all comparing and learning from each other. Now, on the left-hand side, there are three major science issues that are cross-cutting themes across all of this, which are, first of all, uncertainty. We have to be very clear about uncertainty as we're beginning to create and, and accomplish and, and, and step up to these challenges of interdisciplinary modeling. And, what are, and defining the uncertainty cascades across the different systems is extremely important. So we have, we call them, in IPCC we call them the, the, uh, the uncertainty police. I don't think, in AGMIP it's not exactly the police, but we have very, very smart scientists who are telling us about being clear about representing uncertainty. For the first time, I think, in, in, in agriculture and projections of climate change. And then, of course, aggregation and scaling. How do we go from small regions to nations up to global estimates? How do we actually do that in a rigorous way? So we're doing tests on that as well. Finally, what's, no, what's called the representative agricultural pathways there is there's a lot of things changing in agriculture besides climate. And the, we need, as we're creating our modeling systems, to have scenarios or trajectories of population growth, technology changes, uh, economic growth rates. And I'll show a slide later that describes that very, very key part as well. So what are we trying to accomplish? Those are the bottom boxes. Improvements and intercomparisons of, crop, of all of the different kinds of models, from the crop models, from the economic models, to um, uh, scenario construction, to aggregation technologies. Then we want to assess and significantly improve assessments at the regional scales, global scales. At crop specific, for, com for the commodities, for example, the commodities groups really need to know what's going to happen with theirs, as well as, by the way, not just the major commodities, but also the important crops, for example, in Africa that are often not as well studied. On the right-hand box, just the final part, of how AGMIP is organized and what the goal is. And this is very different from the climate model intercomparison project, who, by the way, are already on their fifth, or it's actually their fourth because they skipped four. But um, CMIP 5, it's called CMIP, the Climate Model Intercomparison Project, they basically have outsourced their capacity building to another group. But in AGMIP, I think that there's something really important about the agricultural sector, the agricultural enterprise, that what we need to do is bring the entire community of researchers on as, at the same time as we're doing all this multi-model intercomparison. So AGMIP has embedded within it a capacity building uh, program. Okay, I mentioned the uh, IT. Um, and uh, this is just to say that we have a great team. And we, by the way, we all have colored hats, and the IT team are the red hats, so we can always find them when we're at our meetings. Um, 
agriculture data and modeling systems, standard data formats, crop experiment databases, crop model output databases. All of this and this architecture is absolutely needed for this work to go forward. So that's a very exciting part. So if there, the crop modelers in the world, in the room know that DISAT could not be run, you couldn't run DISAT and APSIM with the same input data. You'd have to be changing your formats. Now we can do it and it's very, very exciting for this community. And, and this is just a little bit on the, the research capacity side. So AGMIP is uh, working with 10 regional teams in Sub-Saharan Africa and South Asia. And with those teams, we are creating new methods. We actually have created new methods for regional integrated assessment so that the researchers in those regions can conduct their own integrated assessments of how climate variability and change are affecting their systems. And those teams have climate fo folks in them, uh, crop folks in them, often soils and the others, and livestock. I'm going to show you a livestock example, as well as economists. And we do, we're doing training and training, not just training, but training the trainers, which I think is really where the action is right now. So here's a brief summary of what we've learned so far about, how, about climate change in agriculture and from this. First of all, there's tremendous interest in doing this. People are just basically coming out of the work, woodwork to, to work together. Here's some of the specific things that we've learned. Med the median of crop model uh, ensembles reproduces observed yields very well. This is very important for multi-model work because, and it, and it mimics and it echoes the work of the climate models who use ensembles across all of the global climate models to do a better job on simulating the observed climate variables. And what we're finding in the agricultural modeling that it's the very same result. The next thing that we've learned is um, something that I want to uh, acknowledge Ken Kassman, he's here, our, our wonderful agri and global yield uh, gap atlas colleague, who was getting, who was really, they, he, was, they, he and his colleagues here at Nebraska were saying, Agmit folks, you have to be really careful on your calibration and develop best practices. So thanks for that. I have a slide actually, I think, on that. Um, Clearly on the agronomy side, and this is actually very germane to the genetics, um, the wonderful genetics uh, talk that we just heard. Crop responses to high CO2, that's on the beneficial side, temperature and water remain key sources of uncertainty. We still need to bear down on that, on that agronomy, that, on that crop physiology. Um, we see that when we go to the regions, we have to not just, we have to go beyond what was done before. Here's a one crop model and here's like three sites in a region. And, uh, and then we take the climate scenarios and we say this, these are the projections for agriculture. We have to now, it's much harder, much tougher, but we have to, we have to develop methods and we are for farming systems. And I'll show an example of that. Um, let's see, the next one is, that um, when we do the global work so far, and this was all done and is being um, 
uh, uh, submitted to the for the IPCC fifth assessment report. What we see is the same result that actually um, uh, and colleagues who are here and Iglesias, for example, and the work that we did together years ago. We're finding that this vulnerability in the lower latitudes is holding as we go through assessment after assessment. That that result with multi-models now, with uncertainty estimates, is what is indeed being, being found. So that's extremely important. We're seeing that limitations, here's the crossover with water, limitations in fresh water available for irrigation may compound climate impacts in many regions. It's abundance because of that increased total that uh, Rosina was, was um, telling us about in some places could actually help. So we see very mixed uh, regional projections. And so that's why, we got, that's why it's so important that we learn and study about this. Agricultural prices are projected to go up. Uh, there are nine global agricultural economic models, modelers and models with, their, with models participating in AgMIP. So this is the first multiple uh, result there. Finally, it's very interesting. The final one is extremely interesting, is that when we compare the uncertainties coming from the crop models and the economic models and the climate models, what we are seeing is that the crop and the economic model uncertainty is greater than the climate model uncertainty. And this is extremely important because what it, the, I come I, at, at, uh, at my institute, Goddard Institute for Space Studies, we are the home of one of the global climate models. There has been billions of research dollars poured into those models, right? And, there have, and the processes have improved, and those models are robust, basically. There were still some major uncertainties, of course, which, which, which are still represented. But that work has not been done on our crop models and on our economic models. And that's what we need now as our community to do to bear down so that the impacts of climate change are as well understood as the climate projections. So that's the, that was the final one. Now, I have lots of slides that are show, illustrating all of this, but I don't want to take too much time. So I'm just going to quickly show you what, what some of the results actually look like and, and how many and who's involved. So we started with one of the things we did from the very beginning was we did some specific crop pilots. And pilot is the key word there because this had never been done before. Basically, the Europeans had been, had been doing some good beginning work. But what, so this is, with 51 authors, 27 wheat models. Who knew? Wheat models were coming out of the woodwork from all over the world. And then we um, tested them at four, what we call this AGMIP Sentinel sites around the world. And it's from this result that you see that the medians, the lines, and each one of those, the four sites are, are down, um, uh, are down on the left from the Netherlands, Argentina, India, and Australia. Um, what we see is that the median lines of all the crop models are indeed doing a good job um, uh, coming to uh, uh, simulating the observed yields. Now, I mentioned the calibration part. Calibration reduces uncertainties. The two bars here, one is we gave the modelers 
just, not the yields, we just basically gave them the climate and like what the crop was, but without either the yield or the growing growth stage information. And that's why the uncertainties when the information is poor um, is, is much more uncertain. There's my pointer. That's the top bars in each case. When we gave them the full observed yields and the growing stage information, of course they could do a much better job. But Ken is laughing because we have to be very careful with that because we, don't know, we didn't know in the beginning what parameters they were tuning in their models. And so the next slide is showing our best practices. Let me just say that this kind of pilot, I'm only showing one example, but this pilot is being done in maize, rice, sugarcane, soybean, cassava, potato, and, and other pilots are getting going. Um, the, um, that was on the calibration validation side. This is the sensitivity studies to high CO2 and to temperature. Um, at the, uh, and I just pulled out two, uh, two locations. Um, and what we see here is indeed that, so here's the three uh, increasing levels of CO2, which tends to certainly uh, has in some, an ameliorating or positive effect. But when you combine those with the temperature's effects, you see that the, uh, that the uncertainties increase across the temperatures that Rosina was showing this, us the projections for. And finally, very importantly for this conference, the Australia site shows far greater uncertainty. The drier site has much more uncertainty coming from the models. We're not doing, uh, we're just, we're, we're, the models are basically all over the place, showing that we still we need to work on these particular challenges in dry environments. These are the best practices. I won't go through them all, but I've, I, I, um, I cited Ken and his group that we have to really be very rigorous about our calibration processes. Now, here is another uh, AGMAP activity, which I want uh, any crop modeler in the room, and I think some of them have already, uh, is already part of it. It's called the Coordinated Cl Climate Crop Model Pilot, because here we wanted every crop modeler in the world who had a site that they, had, that they understood, that they had well calibrated, that they could participate in AGMIP. And that's what this is. It's a sensitivity study that's being done by researchers all over the world. And from the results, we're developing these uh, response surfaces. Of, it's actually in three dimensions. Uh, precipitation temperature, CO2 precipitation, CO2 temperature. What this does is allow us to quickly test climate scenario, change scenarios coming from models. So every time we don't have to power up and do many, many scenarios, we can just locate the temperature and precipitation changes coming from, it, from a scenario and then find uh, where we are on our sensitivity, um, our, our response surfaces. And this is where there's a tremendous uptake. Uh, this was actually a few, uh, maybe like a couple of weeks ago. It's probably, it, it, but it's well over 100 uh, researchers from over 34 countries, who, uh, from, from over 30 countries who are participating. Good. Now, remember I said the I stands for two things. It can't, we can't just intercompare. We have to improve. So there are also groups forming. The maze is probably farthest along to actually then work on improving the models. Um, and um, great, whoops, let's see if I can go back. 
Um, so if anyone is interested to work on these groups, the idea also is not to create one mega model and the best model. That just, from our work that I just showed you, that, do, that doesn't seem like a good idea. We need to have lots of models, lots of different regions, and lots of modelers. We don't want just one group who say, we have the best model and we're gonna use it everywhere. What we're really doing in AgMIP is building the capacity worldwide. Okay, now that's on more of the site-based. Now we're gonna work, look very quickly at the regional integrated assessment. Because this is actually, again, what we did before wasn't good enough. Now what we're doing is working with John Antle, and, who is a regional economist, who is telling us, look, you can't just do three sites in here and say that this is gonna you know, give you the result. So what we're doing with the regional integrated assessment work is creating distributions across the heterogeneity of soils and climate within any region, as well as farm types. Based on, we're doing this in places with, uh, in the beginning, with on-farm economic surveys. And I'm gonna very quickly run through this example from, that's being led by Patricia Mazzaletti from South Africa and Zimbabwe. Um, to, um, and this is an example of their work, the team in, in Sub-Saharan Africa. What they do is they, they no longer just have one type of farm, but here they have three, depending on what the herd size is, with a recognition of really the complexity of the agricultural systems, very much in these smallholder systems. And then they do the modeling. Uh, this is on the crop side. Um, but again, they're very careful with the calibration, and they don't take the observed yield gain historical from whatever region, but they then create a bias when, they do, when they're comparing from the observed to the simulated. So good practices are being promulgated. Um, and then they run the changes in the, in the crops and the livestock. There's also livestock modeling involved. Then with the economic models, they're really able to see how the effects of climate change across those different groups within the system are affected differentially by the climate change. And this is the uh, real advance that this work is bringing forward. And we had, uh, we had uh, harking back to the first panel, this work is all being done with the, with the local stakeholders, sharing it with them, getting their questions, what do they want the modeling system to show. Okay, all right, that's the region. Now we're going up to the global scale. On the crop side, seven global gridded crop models, four crops, uh, five CMIP, five GCMs, four RCPs, which are the uh, radiative forcing, uh, with and without CO2 or fertilization, with and without irrigation. That is the, that's the model intercomparison that we undertook. It was part of a uh, intersectoral um, uh, impact model um, uh, in, uh, assessment that was, is led out of PIC in Germany, Potsdam Institute for Klima. So again, we, here they are, we, and we're really careful. Okay, what, what are all the models like? The type, how do they handle all the different things? You see the, very, the differences so that we understand. So we're not doing this in a blind way. And how are they calibrating? Again, very different at the global scale, very differently. So what we found is that GCM, this is global gridded crop models differ substantially in process parameterizations, inputs, calibrations, and outputs. It's like at the very beginning of the climate models. 
Um, that being said, we did go forward because this is AGMIP1. We did go forward to look to see what the results were when we, when we, when we, when we exercised those models globally. And what we found is, here's, these are all the models. We found that the models actually differ according to their genealogy. Um, that the site-based models like DISAT, APSIM, et cetera, tend to have more negative results. They're, they're, they are really simulating the effects at the field level, whereas the ecosystem models, which are working at broader levels for carbon and water, usually were at least, and for, for wheat, rice, and soybean, were actually more positive. This is where I was saying that the results are similar to, uh, to AR4, that the lower latitude vulnerability is clearly shown, particularly in wheat and maize. However, for the very first time, the areas of explicit agreement among the models are put. The climate models are always putting hash marks over these are where the models agree. This is the actual very first result in agricultural impact modeling that we're able to do that. Now, when you have this kind of global result, you can interact with water MIP, which is a similar exercise among the water modelers, and maybe some, of, some people here worked on the exercise. So Joshua Elliott um, combined the two, the crop results, global crop results, and the global water supply and demand for irrigation results, and found that this is, this is, the, this is where, we, where we're finding that the limitations in fresh water available for irrigation may compound climate impacts in many regions. And basically, that's everywhere in particular where you see those red, at pink and, pinks and especially reds. But its abundance could help in others, and that's what's illustrated in the green. Now, with these, kind, with these global models, you can get an, an estimate of changes in caloric um, availability uh, for, for, for hunger. It's at a very, very mega estimate, and we certainly recognize that. But it is important to see that overall, globally, a net increase in irrigation could alleviate a major portion, there's an uncertainty, of course, of the caloric production loss due to climate. Because in the end, also, we, the research community, have to come up with adaptations for how to deal with the changing climate conditions. Now, one step further, global economic models. Here they are. Can you imagine we got nine groups together? It was amazing. They would sequester themselves when we would have workshops. They wouldn't talk to anybody else. They just wanted to figure out what's going on with their models because their models are very different. Also, just as we saw in the crop models, there's the partial equilibrium models and the general equilibrium models. Um, and uh, they're, they're, they were batting out. Well, they couldn't even figure out in the beginning how to compare prices because they each had different prices within their models. But this is the, uh, a summary of the effects of the climate change scenarios on agricultural process, uh, prices for nine economic models. Here they are across. And these are for um, uh, the um, uh, different um, crop types, including coarse grains, oil seeds, rice, um, sugarcane, and wheat. And what we see, what were the results? That there is the potential for large price increases with climate change. This was for the 2050s. However, the uncertainty is also very large. So 
just turning at the end, that was just to give you some flavor of some of the initial results of AGMIP. How can we work together across the more the agronomy side and the, um, the, the water side? So I just came up with a couple of slides on this. First of all, we just held a very small workshop in the major agricultural region of New York City. <laughs> this is Riverside Park. Um, and it was actually, it was funded by USDA Economic Research Service, who wanted to bring together climate, hydrologists, water resource managers, agricultural, and economic modelers in the mix. And it was a great workshop in which they really, the communities were just beginning to get to know each other. But what we would like to do is really work with UNL in the center here to establish a research community that, that we can interact with within AGMIP and without, you know, in continuing the great work here to really explore the impacts of water supply and demand on future agriculture in significantly better ways than have been done before. Because there's a lot of research issues. For example, CO2 effects at the regional scale, are they going to be changing the hydrology? Just to mention one. So, and then together, so that's on the research, improving the models and the intercomparison part. Then with those, what we'd really like to, to work with our whole community, including the Yield Gap Atlas and CCAFs, Global Futures, all of, all of the wonderful programs that are getting going now, to really undertake a coordinated global, oops, where's my pointers giving up the ghost? coordinated global and regional assessments for agriculture, similar to what CMIP-5 does. CMIP-5 is the organ, the, the, that group of researchers for the whole world presents the climate projections. We have the opportunity working together to do that for agriculture as well. In order to do that, it's there are a lot of challenges because we have to, oops, my slide went away. Okay, back. Okay, we have to, for example, include the mitigation policies with the representative concentration pathways. That's the RCPs. Um, the SSP stands for Shared Socioeconomic Pathways. What are the trajectories, as I mentioned, of population, trade policy, global GDP? And then for agriculture, we have to make our own set of scenarios that include what, is the product, what are the productivity gains? gains? For example, with, with the new genetics that we just heard about, is that what's, what will that trajectory be? We need to put that into our assessment. Crop, fertilizer, and fuel prices. And then at the regional scales, land and water allocation, farm and household size, non-farm income infrastructure, as well as the physical and economic heterogeneity that we were seeing at those regional assessment levels. So this is the challenge that I hope that we can all work on together. AGMIP is, um, is, is going from a project to a global program, so we'd like to get all your inputs in how that can happen. And with that, here's the uh, contacts and the websites, and I look forward to working with you on these 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 challenge, challenges for us as researchers, but that we really must step up to so that we can actually really tell the policymakers from the highest global level to the regional planners so that they can then communicate to the farmers and the stakeholders what the regional and global implications of climate change on agriculture really are. Thank you.